1961, President John F. Kennedy gave a very uh, important historic speech in front of a special joint session of the Congress where he outlined some ambitious goals for our country. We were in the middle of what was called the space race with the Soviet Union, and the goal and the mission for the United States was we wanted to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Earlier that year, the Russians had put a cosmonaut into orbit, uh, into space, and so the U.S. was behind. We were losing this space race, and so when he set out this goal, it seemed to be an impossible one. It seemed to be one that there was no way that we would attain. But Project Apollo made this mission a reality by the end of the decade in 1969 when Neil Armstrong stepped onto the surface of the moon. One author writes that NASA's overall human spaceflight efforts were guided by Kennedy's speech. Projects Mercury and Gemini and Apollo were designed to execute Kennedy's goal. In other words, the U.S. put all of its manpower and all of its energy and all of its thinking and all of its resources, all of its money behind this goal. And that mission drove us as a nation, and we walked on the moon. Now, we as a church have a mission as well. You see it every Sunday when you walk out into the atrium up on the wall, that we are going to be a church whose goal is to be disciples and to make disciples. This is a, a simple, simply stated goal, but it's a big goal, a goal that we would grow in our walk with Christ by being disciples and that we would make disciples of Knoxville and the nations to the ends of the earth. And so it's a goal that could only ever be accomplished through the power of God in us and through us. And this is a goal that just like putting a man on the moon is going to require a lot of sacrifice from us. As we've been going through this discipleship journey on Sunday mornings, we've been outlining how it is as a church that we plan and aim to be disciples and to make disciples. As you go from A to B to C to D to E. In A, we said the A group is anyone. We believe that anyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone needs to, to hear that Jesus loves them and wants to have a relationship with them and wants to save them. Anyone is who we're trying to reach. And we want to move anyone into the B group, into the big group, into the church. We want them to become part of, uh, to trust in Jesus as their Savior and to become part of the local body, the local fellowship. When they become part of the church, we want to make disciples of them. We want to grow them to grow in their walk with the Lord. And so we want to move them into a C group or a connect group, a group where they're going to find fellowship with other believers, a group where they're going to study God's word together. We want to move them further along into a D group or a discipleship group where they're going to have accountability in their walk with the Lord, where they're going to iron, sharpen iron together, and that they're going to go deeper in their relationship with Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the final part of this process, the, the tip of the spear, the part that brings us all the way back around to the beginning, which is e-groups, evangelism teams. And these are the teams that are going to go out to anyone and try to reach them with the gospel. This is the movement of the gospel in a person's life where they begin where the gospel is absent in the A group, 
where they become part of the B group where the gospel is preached, where they become part of a connect group where the gospel becomes familiarized in their life, where they become part of a D group where the gospel is internalized into their heart, and to uh, an E team where the gospel is lived out. This is what we want to see happening in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so just like putting a man on the moon, this is going to require a lot of sacrifice from us. It's going to be something that has to be bathed in prayer. It's going to require our time. It's going to require our energy. It's going to require our finances. It's going to require our commitment. Because we're not going to be disciples and make disciples by accident. We're not going to be disciples and make disciples with lackadaisical commitments. We're not going to be disciples and make disciples with just minimal participation. We're going to have to go all in. And so this morning, I want to know, are you ready to go on this discipleship journey together? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able this morning. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, as we look at evangelism teams. The Word of God says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. Thank you. You may be seated. Here's the action step for today. As you're listening to this sermon, as you're thinking about what this means for you in your life, the action step for today is that you would commit to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. I'm asking you today, when you walk out of this room, to commit to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. And so when we look at this passage to this morning, we consider what evangelism teams look like in our church. The first thing that we see in this passage is that they are commissioned to prayer. They're commissioned to prayer. In verse 1, it says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now the Greek word that's used there that's translated as appointed uh, it means more than they were just selected to do this. That word appointed carries the meaning that they were placed in a position with authority when they were appointed by the Lord. They were placed in a position with authority. And so that means that they were sent out in the authority of Christ to proclaim the message of Christ. When you look at what happens at the end of this uh, episode in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, notice what they say when they come back. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority. I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so when we go out into this city and proclaim the good news of the kingdom, we are destroying the works of the devil. That's exactly what you see them doing as they go out to city to city. They are destroying the works of the evil one. It's the power of Christ 
within us the authority of Christ given to us. And we go out in the name of Christ. And our job is to bring lost sheep into the kingdom of God. Jesus said here, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the focus. That's the mission that he had given to them. He says, yeah, it's exciting that you see all these things happen, but rejoice. This is where you celebrate, that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're seeing the kingdom in movement. Notice here that they were sent out in pairs. Why? Why were they sent out in pairs? I think it's because they would encourage each other. They were sent out in pairs to have accountability. They were sent out in pairs to say, we're in this together. We're a family. We're going to do this. And when he sent them out, he's, the first thing that he told them to do was to pray. To pray. And you can't miss that part. That's the part that we miss a lot. But we can't miss that part. In verse 2, he tells them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. He says, pray. And he says, the harvest is abundant. And that's true. Even here in the Bible Belt, that the the harvest is abundant. In fact, there was a a recent survey done in Knox County. It says 80% of Knox County residents are unchurched. 80% are unchurched. And so that means that they're not connected to any church in our city. And they're not going to come. The answer is not that we just put out a sign that tells them what times that we gather. They don't care. And so that means that we have to go to them. The church has to get outside of the walls. We have to turn the church inside out. We have to change our mindset from y'all come to let's go. And E-teams are the tip of that spear. They're the church on mission in our community. And our job is to get to the anyone group and share Jesus with them. It's about starting this cycle all over again. And committing to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. So we need to pray. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, this is what Paul said to another church. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God would open up a door to us for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. He's asking them to be alert, to be diligent in prayer, and to pray for them that they, God would open up doors to share the gospel. And that he would share it as he should. That's the same sort of prayers that you and I ought to be offering for one another and to the Lord. That we would be diligent in prayer, that we would be consistent in prayer, and that we would be asking the Lord to open up doors for the gospel. So that means that when you wake up in the morning, that you would spend time in prayer asking God to open up doors for you to share the gospel today. Who is someone in my life that I can share Jesus with? I'm not saying necessarily that you got to give me another night of the week where you uh, are going to go share. 
That's good if you do, but I know a lot of people go, well, I'm so busy I can't think of another night of the week that I can do anything. I'm not necessarily asking you to do that. I'm saying to you, you're already going to school. You're already going to work. You're already playing on a ball team. You're already living in your neighborhood. And so have you ever considered that you live where you live and that you work where you work and that you go to school where you go to school and that you're on that particular sports team because God has strategically placed you there for his kingdom? Have you ever thought about that? That it wasn't just that you thought it was a nice house? That maybe God said, that's exactly where I want you to be? That there are people with whom he wants you to share the gospel? And so it's about living out this kingdom with intentionality. If you look in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, we find where Jesus is calling some of the disciples to come and to follow after him. And in verse 18, he says, As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea, for they were what? They were fishermen. And he says, Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. He says they were fishermen, and now he says, Go fish for men. He says, live with intentionality. Go reach people with what you're doing. William Law once said, there's nothing that makes us love a man so much as praying for him. And so when you begin to pray for people, the neighbors that live next door, the guy across the cubicle in the office, the lady down the hall at the office, the kids that come play with your kids. When you begin to pray with them, God will begin to soften your heart for them. And you'll begin to see them as God sees them. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we get a glimpse of it. It says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And so when you begin to pray like this for people to come to know the Lord... You'll begin to see these open doors of opportunity to share like you never knew were there before. If you'll pray for them and if you'll live with intentionality. I think a lot of times Christians read this verse, Luke 10, 2, in this way. Let's pray that God would call out from among us some that would go and be laborers in the harvest field. And in fact, a lot of times when we pray, we've got a few people in mind. You know, maybe it's like, Somebody that gets on your nerves and you're like, I wish God would call them to go, you know, to the other side of the world to go share the gospel or something. But you pray that, you know, the Lord of the harvest would call the person that's sitting next to you to go. Never ever thinking that it might be you that needs to answer the call. And we certainly believe that God calls people to go out from among us and to go to different places all over the world. In fact, God has done that many times out of this congregation, called people out from among us to go and to be on mission in other parts of the world. And he might be calling you to do that today. But everyone who's a Christian is supposed to go and tell. And so you're the answer to your Luke 10, chapter 2 prayer. You're the laborer. 
When he's asking for the Lord of the harvest to call out laborers into the harvest field, it's you. And so we begin by falling to our knees and crying out to God for his spirit to move in the hearts of those people that don't know him, praying to God to bring revival in our own lives so that we would fulfill this call to be laborers in the harvest field. Because the harvest is abundant. That's not the problem. It's the praying part and the going part that's the problem. And so we need to commit to an all-day everyday lifestyle of evangelism because we're commissioned to prayer. The second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that we are commissioned to proclamation. At the end of this call in verse 2, he says that, that we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And then he says at the very beginning of verse 3, now go. Now go. Now go. Go. I've appointed you. I've given you my authority. You've prayed to the Lord of the harvest. I'm sending you out. Now go, he says. And one of our church's values, you see it out on on the wall out in the atrium, is to be saved is to be sent. And that's a high and a holy calling. That you're a child and a servant of the king. And he's given you and me orders and they're not to be ignored. To go. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. I'm not going to be ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone. We've got to go. Because this great commission is not some great suggestion. We're not to go and make disciples of all nations if we get around to it. We're not to go and make disciples of all nations after we finish doing whatever we want to do with our lives. We're not to go and make disciples of all nations when we feel like it. And so if you've been waiting for the right moment to proclaim the gospel... If you've been waiting for the right moment to get on mission, if you've been waiting for the right moment to join an E-team, that moment is now. The moment is today. So this is what an E-team is. It's a group of people who are committed to reach a people group or a place with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not complicated. It's a group of people who are committed to reaching a people group or a place with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are committing to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. And some of these E-teams are going to target a people group, which is a, a, a set of people that have their own culture, that have their own beliefs, that have even maybe their own language. And in our church, we already have existing e-teams who are trying to reach Spanish speakers and Arabic speakers and first responders and travel baseball teams and the foster and adoption community and prisoners and more and more. And these are groups of people that have these unique cultures that we're intentionally trying to reach for Jesus. These e-teams are. 
There are other E-teams that are going to try and reach a place, which is a geographical area in our city. And there are E-teams that we have existing right now that are trying to reach Merchants Drive, that are trying to reach the hotels at the 75 Interchange, that are trying to reach Inskip and Norwood and Powell and more and more and more. And so these are areas of our city that we want to intentionally reach for Jesus. And all of these teams that I've just talked about and others that haven't even started yet are sent out on mission in our city. We do missions at the end of the earth, and we also do missions at the end of the street. And so the goal is to proclaim the gospel that individuals in our people group or in this place will trust in Jesus as Savior and become part of the church. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to share the gospel so that people would believe, that anyone in the anyone group would believe and become part of the church, to move from the A group to the B group. And then start down this discipleship journey. And so this is missions right here in our city. And these different teams will use different vehicles through which to share the gospel based on on how the Lord leaves. That's why prayer, beginning with prayer, is important. So that God would guide you in how you would try to, to reach a people group or a place. For example, our merchant's drive team uses Wednesday night suppers as a tool to share the gospel with our street. The foster and adoption team uses the compassion closet as a tool to share the gospel with those families. The first responders team is setting up a first responders room on our campus as a tool to share the gospel with servicemen and women. Other teams might hand out Bibles or waters or host a party in their neighborhood. And in all of those various things, you're trying to further the mission, which is to proclaim Jesus so that individuals in your people group or place would trust in him as Savior and become part of the church. That's what we're trying to do. And your E-team might be a large group or it might just be your family. It might just be someone who lives in your neighborhood or someone who lives uh, in your area. In fact, this is how a lot of you can get involved. You commit to reach your neighborhood. You already live there, so live it out there. Be salt and light there. And there might be other families that already live in your neighborhood or somebody lives kind of in your neck of the woods, and you begin to pray for your neighborhood. And you begin to prayer walk your neighborhood. And you invite your neighbors over into your home for dinner. You begin to build relationships with them. You host a neighborhood block party there in your driveway. Invite everyone over. Pray for God to open doors for you to share the gospel with your neighbors. And you know what will happen? God will open up doors for you to share the gospel with your neighbors. And what's, what's happened now is that you have an E-team that's targeting a specific place, your neighborhood. And so I'm asking you to commit to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. Sometimes when you're reading scripture like this, you have to sort of make 
a modern day adaptation of what's happening in the scripture. You know, this is the first century and this is how we would do it in the, in the 21st century. But this isn't an adaptation. It's literally the exact same thing. I mean, Jesus sent out his followers in pairs to go and proclaim the gospel. And I'm sending you out in groups to go out and to proclaim the gospel. We're saying go think and live like a missionary at your house. Because God has strategically placed you in neighborhoods, on sports teams, in social groups, all across the city, so that you would shine light into the darkness. I understand that there are people that may have fears about evangelism. They say, well, what if, what if I don't know what to say? What if, what if they reject me? What if they don't like it? And this must have been some of the same questions that the 72 had as well because Jesus answers their question in verse 16 of Luke chapter 10. He says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And so Jesus was saying to them, it's not you that they're rejecting, it's me. It's my gospel. It's my good news. And so you just go out and do what I've asked you to do. You just go out and share it. You just go out and tell people. And let the Lord do what the Lord does in people's hearts. Sometimes I believe that People view what we're talking about as, as someone else's job, right? That this is, this is my job to do this, or our pastor's job to do this. This was the 12 apostles' job. They, they were the ones that should have been doing this. But Jesus did send them out. That was back in Luke chapter 9. There, if you flip back into the chapter just before this, we see him in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, sending out the 12. You get to Luke chapter 10, verse 1, and he's sending out 72 people. And so what this shows us is it wasn't just the job of the apostles. This was everybody's job who's a follower of Jesus. And it's not just the youth pastor or the college pastor or the children's pastor's job to get your grandchild to come to church. It's not the missions director's job to get your neighbors to come to church. It's your job, too. I mean, we're talking about the, the difference of sending out a dozen pastors every week and sending out a thousand-man missionary force into the city every week. Which one is more efficient? Which one is more effective? Which one is biblical? That we would all go out and share the gospel. And so this discipleship journey that we've been outlining now for five weeks is how we're going to fulfill our mission. This is the plan. If you've been sitting there going, all right, when's he going to tell us the plan? This is it. This is what we're going to do. It's not a program. It's a process. It's a process by which we're going to make disciples. This discipleship journey is how we're going to reach those 2025 vision goals that you see out there as you come into the atrium. It's through E-teams that we're praying we'll baptize over 100 individuals in a year. How are we going to do that? Because there's 1,000 people out sharing the gospel every single week. It's through E-teams that we're praying that we're going to have over 50 local mission engagements each month. How are we going to do that? Because we've got dozens and dozens of E-teams that are out doing work every single week. E-teams are how we're going to keep this cycle going. 
And so we have to get this mission. Just like putting a man on the moon, this mission is going to require a lot of sacrifice from us. But it's more important than, than getting a man to the moon, it's getting a man to heaven. It's advancing the kingdom of God. And so it has to be bathed in prayer, and it's going to require our time, it's going to require our energy, it's going to require our finances, it's going to require our commitment, because we're not going to be disciples and make disciples by accident. We're not going to be disciples and make disciples with a lackadaisical commitment. We're not going to be disciples and make disciples with just minimal participation. We're all going to have to go all in. And so are you ready to go on this discipleship journey together. This morning, if you are a follower of Jesus already, and maybe you're already a part of this church family, the challenge, the action step that we said from the very beginning is, are we going to commit to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism? And so that's the challenge for you today. Are you willing to do that? And so maybe you want to spend some time in prayer in a moment, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. This is a time to, to respond to how God's speaking to your heart. And so maybe you want to be here at this altar or, or, or there at your seat and call out to God and say, God, I'm all in. God, we're going to, to do this together. God, we believe what you're calling us to do, and we're committed to go do it. There may be some here this morning that God is calling to take various steps along this discipleship journey. It might be that today you want to come join this church, become part of the B group, the, the big group, and say, this is where I believe God's calling me to, to, to join and, to, and to, to serve and to find fellowship and, and to worship together. And if that's how God's at work in your heart, this is the time to come and to make that decision this morning. There might be others this morning who are part of the anyone group. And today is the day that you need to trust in this good news, this gospel. We've been talking all morning. In fact, we've been talking for five weeks about getting the gospel to you. And why is that so important to, to, to us? Why do we think that this is such a big deal? Because without Jesus, your life is in shambles. Without Jesus, you have no hope. Without Jesus, you have no forgiveness for your sin. Without Jesus, the Bible says that we'll spend eternity in hell apart from the Lord. And we don't want that for you. We want you to receive this good news today into your heart that God loves you and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for all the things that you've done wrong and all the things that I've done wrong. And he paid the price for our sin by dying in our place there. He was placed in the grave but walked out of the tomb alive on the third day proving that he is the son of God, that he is the savior of the world and he had conquered sin and death and hell for us and for you. And today you can receive that gift into your life by trusting in Jesus to forgive you, by calling on him as the Lord and King of your heart, and by following after him. And so if that's a decision that you need to make this morning, then you come. There's going to be leaders here at the front. Tell them, say, this, I want to make that decision today to follow after Jesus. But however God's speaking to your heart this morning, now's the time to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your word. Lord, for the example that we saw even in your followers this morning of how they were sent out 
on mission to share the gospel in all the cities of the area. And God, today, we're praying that you would do that work in our heart. Lord, that we would be a church that would be disciples, make disciples here in Knoxville and to the nations. And so, God, I pray that today we would commit to an all-day, everyday lifestyle of evangelism. God, that we would go all in as a church family on this discipleship journey. And so, God, move in our hearts. Lord, bring revival, bring awakening. God, I pray for people today that need to trust in Jesus as their Savior, that they would take that step. Lord, for people that need to become part of this church family, that they would take that step. For people that have been thinking about joining a connect group or a discipleship group, that today they would take that step. For people that are thinking about getting involved with an E-team, God, that today they would take that step. God, that we would continue down this path with you. Lord, have your way in this time of response. In Jesus' name we ask.